Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. It's a funny thing. Uh, we, we just did our rosters and got them out last week. And uh, I think we put out 60 rosters. Now, you say, well, 60 people. No, no, that's 60 families are involved at running this church on a Sunday morning. It's incredible. That's beyond all the other stuff we do. So just on a, a, a Sunday morning to run the church for the next few months, 60 different uh, groups of people are involved in, uh, in doing that, whether it's the creche, the kids' church, uh, you know, the welcome team, the service team, uh, the, the, the tech guys and girls up the back there and, and the musos and singers. And, uh, you know, and some of those, those rosters, by the way, um, Robin actually highlights everyone's name and some of them are like, patchwork quilts because they've got all these different coloured highlights. There's like six people on this one roster and it's just crazy. But I just I just want to say I appreciate you. I just really appreciate all your effort and all your time and, and all your energy that you sow into building the kingdom of God through the, the body of Christ here at Bay Life because, you know, I know there's other things you could be doing, you know, but but you have chosen to, to put God first in this, this way and, and, uh, and I just reckon there's something that in God that honours that and, uh, and this great blessing and favour it comes as a consequence of that. So, so thank you so much for being committed to, to doing what we're, we're called to do here at Bay Life. Um, we can't do it without you. You know, that, that's the truth. Uh, There's probably one day, the first Sunday, we had to do it without you. But uh, since then, we, we've relied, been reliant on you, you know. And, uh, and I see a few families that were here that first Sunday and it's just so encouraging to see those same people here now nearly 12 years later, you know, and, uh, and still sowing into the body of Christ, which, which is so, so encouraging. So, so well done. Give yourself a clap because you've done really well. Um, we're in the series called If Living an Intentional Life. We're looking at some of the ifs of living an intentional life are. And this morning I, I wanted to bring you a little bit of my childhood back in this uh, this poem from Roger Kipling. And I actually don't know what his beliefs were. I, I, I intend to look that up to see what he believed. But this, this particular... Um, want to throw that up, guys? Um, we'll read it in a sec. But this particular one was actually mounted in our hall in, in as a, my childhood house. And it was actually... From our front door, you walk past this to get to it. But guess where the phone was? And this will be new something new for all young people here. The phone was actually in one spot in the house. You actually had to go to the phone. The phone didn't carry, get carried around your pocket. and It's actually mounted on the wall. And so I actually had a, a table and the, the phone. And then this little plaque, this little frame was above the phone. And it, it's funny, you know, I'd be talking for hours to my sweetheart, um, you know, and you couldn't go anywhere. You just had to stand there and, and uh, everyone would be walking in now the front door and you know, into the kitchen and, and uh, I know this is, a, this is an amazing concept, isn't it, young people? It's, the phone's in one spot, you know. And uh, Anyway, and this, this plaque was on the wall. And I, I've got vivid memories of reading this over and over again, not really completely understanding what it was all about, of course. But uh, I just thought it was really appropriate this morning because we're doing If. And it's, this poem's called If. So, so let's, I have got a screen for this. So if you want to just do the verses, I can get through them. 
If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your own, if you can meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. Love that line. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone, so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings, not lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, Yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. And, you know, as I said, as a young person, I didn't really have much idea what that was, that was saying, really. But I just, I just know something got sown into my soul, in my spirit, <laughs> in the time of reading that over and over and over again. And, uh, and I think, you know, I don't know what this guy's beliefs are, but, but I just think they really line up with... Um, God's word for our lives, they really do, and uh, and I think he must have had a faith just just looking at what he's written there, and, and I really did forget how much that got deposited in me in the process of that, you know. And um, anyway, this this series is called "If Living an Intentional Life," and uh, and I want to draw some illustrations and uh, uh, and some examples from the book of Daniel, and and I know this series has taken a few twists and turns. I, I started off with putting God first and then um, I think Robin did something, if you prepare, and then Chris did intentional discipleship and used the, 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 the theme for that as well. We're getting back to the book of Daniel this morning, okay? And, uh, and it's a great book out of the Old Testament. And uh, so the first one we did the other in January was If You Learn. And uh, we, we looked at the way Daniel was taken a prisoner um, by the Babylonians and uh, he was taken, he and his three young friends, and they're probably teenagers, were taken into the king's service. And there's a verse there that says, they had an aptitude for every type of learning, that in every matter of wisdom and understanding, the king found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Because they were told, because we're told here, that God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And it's just so important in life to learn from life. Just is it? Just it, we just need to absorb what's going on in our lives and just learn from, so we don't same, make those same mistakes again. And T.D. Jakes says this: the world is a university, and everyone is a teacher. Um, when you wake up in the morning, make sure you're ready to go to school. And I, I actually reckon that's about right. You know, we, we we need to not get so set in our ways that we're not able to learn from people around us. You know, to to absorb from that, and. Uh, 
Um, and if you, you want to have a listen to that message, it's, it's on the, the web page on our podcast there, so you can, you can go to that and do that. So this morning we're doing If We Try. If We Try. And, uh, and this is from the next part of the book of Daniel, If We Try. The first one was from chapter 1. This is from chapter 2. And uh, you see, I truly believe this. In life, we just have to have a go. We just have to try. We just have to try some stuff. It's important we, we have a go in life. And, and I've got this statement here. In life, if it's important enough, it's until it happens. It's until it happens. You know, um, I heard this story. There was a, a new incoming CEO of a, of a large corporation. And he, he met with his predecessor and, and said, you know, I'd like to know what your key to success was because you did, did it really well and I want to do the same thing in, in this business this corporation. The older gentleman looked at him and replied, young man, I can sum it up in two words, good decisions. Um, To that, the young man responded, well, I thank you for that advice, sir, but how does one know what is a good decision? And the the older guy said this, experience. (laughs) He said, well, that's all well and good, but how does one get that experience? Two words, said the elder, bad decisions. And, and I, I, I do believe that in life. You know, we all make bad decisions from time to time, right? We, we just do. It's just life. You know, you just can't get it right all the time. And we've got to be, I don't know, just free enough with ourselves to admit when we've done something that hasn't quite worked out the right way. We don't try and cover it up or pretend it didn't happen. It's just like, no, nah, you know what? I stuffed up there. Made a bad choice. And uh, the truth is it's not the end. Like, that's just not the end. If we don't learn from that, it'll be the end. But if we learn from that, absorb from that, we actually have a, a we position ourselves to try again, to try again. And, uh, um, and, and guess what? We worked out one way that it didn't work, you know, so we've got more chance of finding it next time. And that was Thomas Edison's philosophy with his inventions. Basically, he uh, invented the light globe and apparently he found a thousand ways not for it to work until he finally found the way that it actually did work, you know, and... Uh, uh, and so he's got a book full of wrong ways, but, but he found finally one way that it actually did work. And at the moment, we're doing the Thrive course with, um, uh, with, with sort of 25 or so people that, that want to find out where they fit into the body of Christ. And uh, there's mature Christians, and there's new Christians, young Christians. And, uh, and for the young ones, I'm sure they're, they're, they're looking on going, well, everyone's got it together. Everyone knows where they fit. Everyone knows how to do it. And this is so far from the truth, I think, you know. Um, so often in our life, we actually have to try lots of different things before we find the thing that, we really, that really fits with us, you know. And, and so I encourage you to do that. It's if we try. we just got to have a go, you know. And this series about living an intentional life. And, of course, we're going to have failures along the way. You see, we just are. And if we, if we don't, we're probably not trying very hard. We're probably not venturing out very much. We're probably not giving life a bit of a go. Uh, and, and the truth is life is too short to live with regrets. You know, the older I get, the more I recognize that. You know, I'm just going to go at everything I can while I can, you know, and uh, I don't want to live with regrets. And, and this is the truth, the true statement here. You only truly fail if you fail to try. You only truly fail if you give up. You only truly fail if you're not having a go. And, and you know, I, I, this is, that's the sort of church I want here. This, that's the church I want us to be, to encourage people to have a go. 
not be so focused on the end result, but just to have a go, to position ourselves. We've got to try. We've got to try. And whether it's reaching our next door neighbour or, re- or we're introducing ourselves or, or whether it's, it's having a go in business or whether it, it, it's, it's, it's in study or, 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 or you feel like you've got a call in ministry or whatever that looks like, it doesn't matter. Just check it with God. Don't do it out of your own striving, of course. But once you get clear, just have a go. Just try just try it. You know, take all the, the, the restraints off. You know, where, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, and we should be, we must, should be the most free people on this earth. Christians should be the most free people on this earth. We shouldn't be bound up by people's opinions or thoughts or, or peer pressure or any of that stuff. We should be insecure with our relationship with God, our, our vertical relationship, so we can have great relationships with other people. You know, I, I just... This morning, I just pray in the process of these few words, you can get freed up in this. You know, that, 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 that we can really start to step into what God wants for us. And, and I want this church to be a church that gives you permission to have a go. You know, and, and sometimes it doesn't work out, of course. You know, the truth is I need your permission to have a go at things. And they may not all work out. You know, if I'm so freaked out about the idea of something not working, I'm not going to do it. And we might, we might miss a God opportunity in that process. We just have to have a go. And, and, and we won't fulfill God's purpose if we're not doing that. You know, we've got Pastor Phil Camden coming here to preach for us at the end of March, on the 30th of March, I, I think it is. He's a pastor, a husband, a friend, a father, and he's about the same age as I am. We're on the, the um, Hunter Executive together. And uh, he's been diagnosed with motor neuron disease. And uh, he's basically dying. You know, unless he receives a miracle from God, there's no cure. There's nothing that, that's available to cure him this. And, and what's so impressive about him and his position is he has a faith to believe that God can and will heal him. So he's, he's, he's pursuing that with all his heart. But in the meantime, he's doing everything else he can as well. So he's actually doing fundraising for the, the uh, MND Foundation. Uh, he, he's trying to find, to resource doctors to find a, a natural way through this process as well. Um, he's positioned himself for a miracle, but in the meantime, he's doing everything, everything he can otherwise. He's trying. He's giving it a go, you know? And uh, make sure you're here for that Sunday, actually. Make sure you bring your friends that might need to be encouraged and just might need their faith lifted a little bit. Um, I'm sure it's the 30th of March. I think it is. It's one of the late ones in, in March anyway. And uh, it's going to be a great privilege to have him here with us this morning. James 2 says the same thing, um, verses 14 to 17. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, is not, if not accompanied by action, is dead. And, and this young man, Daniel, lived his life intentionally. Uh, even when the world around him, the Babylonian culture, was completely foreign and out of his control, he was a servant, he didn't whinge, he didn't whine, he didn't complain about his circumstances. He just had this inner confidence because he knew who his God was, even in the midst of chaotic circumstances. He stayed intentional in his walk with God through all times. 
You know, and Daniel faced this crisis in his faith when King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that was like a nightmare. The king called the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the astrologers, called all the other things that he trusted in around him. Tell me what the dream means. What, what it was the dream and what does the dream mean? And, uh, and all the enchanters and the astrologers, they didn't have a clue. You know? and, and let's have a look at the verse here because I think it's important that we read through. In fact, we'll read a fair bit of the book of da- or first six chapters of the book of Daniel in this, in this series. Daniel 2, verses 4 to 5. If you want to get your Bibles out, and because uh, there is a fair bit to read here this morning. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants a dream and we'll interpret it. Interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I've firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I'll have you cut into pieces and your houses turn into piles of rubble. So not only kill you, I'm going to kill your family as well. And I'm not sure, but maybe the king had a bad night, I think. And, uh, you, know, you know, those horrible nights, those restless, horrible nights where you may have had a dream and you, you sort of got a, a, a memory about it, almost a dreading, but you can't quite remember the details. And I think he might have been right in that spot here, you know. And uh, he's just asking these guys, come on, the things he trusts in, you, you can do it. Or if you don't, I'm going to kill you. So uh, Daniel 2.10, the astrologers answer the king, there's not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however, God great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. So the king loses a big time here. He just loses his cool. He's deeply troubled by this dream. He's, he's, he's really upset that these guys that he's put around himself as his wise men, they can't do anything for him. And, uh, and so he just decides to kill them. And, uh, and, and sometimes in, in tough times... That's how God gets our attention. He just, there's a threat there. There's a, a, a risk there, and, and uh, uh, he'll get our attention in that process. You know, let, let's read on anyway. Daniel 2, verses 13 to 15. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and the men, men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Now, understand this. Daniel and his friends weren't consulted in this process. They were still servants in the king's uh, uh, service. You know, they were young men, and... Uh, and they're in the king's house, and, and this was still in their, their training period, in fact, because I think it was only a year after they'd been put there. They had no privileges. Um, they were just servants, uh, even though they'd been ten times better than the magicians and enchanters, we're told. Um, but they're included in these wise men. They're going to get killed. <laughs> so uh, um, I just find this so interesting. In life, sometimes that happens to us. Sometimes we get given responsibility or, or position and we're not consulted, and, and we feel like we've been ripped off. We feel like someone hasn't really engaged us well, and, and we've got to get over ourselves sometimes. You know, sometimes we've just got to try some stuff, you know. And uh, so let's read on in verse 14. Um, when Arioch, the, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. And he asked the king's officers, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? See, he had no clue of what was going on. Ariok then explained the matter to Daniel. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone was coming to kill me, I don't think wisdom and tact would have been my first response. And uh, it would have been more like panic or fear or, or indignation. How dare you? But you know what? This is a young teenager. And he spoke with wisdom and tact. You see, don't underestimate your potential in God and the people and situations you can speak into, young people and old people. Don't respond with fear. Respond in God, in wisdom 
and intact, it says here. So, because Daniel knew he had to try something. You know, as a, as a teenager in, enslaved, the potential would have just to be quiet, stay quiet and just let the thing work itself out, which would have ended in death. But he took a huge risk here by even asking the king's officer, well, what's going on? Because he could have been killed right then, you know, just gone. And uh, then he even took a greater risk, it says in, in verse four, uh, 16, of this Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he may interpret the dream. Now, the, the king was so desperate to get this dream interpreted, he was prepared to give that space. Let's read on. Daniel 2, uh, verses 17 to 18. Then Daniel returned to his house, explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven in concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might be, not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. You know, and, and here's, here's the thing. He's going to have a go. Does he know the answer? No clue. He just hasn't got any idea. But he does know his God. He does know his God. And, and he trusts in his God. And, and here's another truth for our lives. We need friends around us in time of stress and trouble and, and, and times of issues in our lives. We need trustworthy friends around us, praying with us and for us. We need those relationships established before the problems come. You know, it's all well and fine, you know, going when, when you're in, in stress, but you have those relationships established before. And when those tough times comes, that's when you've got those trustworthy friends around you that just pray for you, that pray with you. Okay, come on, God. You know, we, we trust in you, Lord. Let, let's do that and plead and intercede with God for us and with us. And, and, and verse 19 says that during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Why do you think God honoured Daniel stepping out? You know, why did he answer his prayer? What, what do you think that's about? It just gives us some guidelines for our lives, I believe, because here's a few quick thoughts to finish with this morning. See, Daniel had already put intentionally put God first in his life. So he went to God in prayer with that as a foundation in place. He'd already established that in his life. He wasn't going prepared to, to bow down to peer pressure. He wasn't prepared to do something that he wasn't um, comfortable with in terms of his, his, his belief system, you know, uh, as being a Jew. And, uh, and he actually prayed with that foundation in place. So he had a sure foundation. And Jesus says, we have not asked, we do not have because we have not asked. We need to ask sometimes. We need to go to God. We need to seek his face in our circumstance. We need to get on our knees or on our face and, and seek his face and plead with him and intercede for those people around us. And, 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 you know, I just think that's the foundation that starts those miracles in our lives. Intentionally put God first. Not when the, the problems came, then went, oh God, now I'll put you first. No, you put God first. Put God first, first. The second point, Daniel was intentional in his obedience to the Lord. He was intentional. He, he, this wasn't a fluke. He refused to compromise himself in the Babylonian culture. You know, even as a slave, even when he was completely disempowered by his circumstance, when he's taken as a slave. And, and, and there's a thought, just while I was writing that down, I just thought there's a time in the Bible when Jesus was with a man with a withered hand. You know, and, and he was in that room with them, and and, uh, um, and Jesus said, "This man, stretch out your hand." Now, he would have been ashamed of his, his withered hand because that would have been great disgrace in that environment. You know, the, the religious people would have said, "Well, that's because you sin." You know, you, you've got that withered hand, which, which is totally lie. It's totally the enemy. 
but he would have been, he would have, there would have been something in him, wouldn't want to put out his withered hand, he'd want to put out his good hand. Because Jesus didn't say which hand to put out, by the way. He said, stretch out your hand. But we've got to respond in obedience to God. He would have known what Jesus was actually saying to him. And even though he would have been probably embarrassed, he would have been awkward with that, uh, he would have been conceded, concerned as an invalid or, or a disabled person because of that. But he made the decision to stretch out his hand, his withered hand, before he was healed, not after, before he was healed. There's a faith in that. He had to try something. He had to, to take a bit of a risk. He had to, to go beyond what he, he was comfortable with. He had to try that, and through that obedience, he was healed after he put out his hand. And, and I think that's the same for our lives. Sometimes we just want the circumstance to be right, then we'll respond to God. God says, no, be obedient. Be obedient. It's not about the seen thing, it's about the unseen thing. It's about your faith, it's about your hope. It's about those things that you don't understand right now that are going on in the heavenlies. It's beyond your current circumstances. Lift your eyes. Stretch out your withered hand. That thing that looks like is a disability will actually become a great benefit and blessing in your life if you're obedient to God's word for you. The third thing here this morning, Daniel took a risk and put his life and future in God's hand. Daniel knew ultimately God was in control and he could trust in that. He could trust that God works all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And because of that, that security, he could live an intentional life for him. It allowed Daniel to try some stuff for freedom, to be a bit creative, to try some different options. And, and, and what did he really have to lose anyway? He was going to die if he didn't. So, so it freed him up to have a go. And, uh, and another story I thought of when I was writing that down was uh, the woman with the bleeding disorder in the Bible. You know, um, she'd had this bleeding disorder for 12 years she used up all her money trying to get this thing healed. And, uh, uh, and the doctors couldn't cure her. Um, she'd been treated badly. She would have been treated badly and ostracized because a bleeding disease in a Jewish culture meant that she was unclean. And she would have been ostracized to the outside of the town. They wouldn't want her in the town. They want to keep her away from the, the particularly the Pharisees and Sadducees and all those guys. They would have wanted them away from them. And, and so even the fact that she was actually prepared to come into the town to pursue Jesus... Was, was a great risk. But she heard about Jesus, she thought she'd risk it, and uh, Jesus was on the way, not on the way to heal someone else, not her. Um, uh, I think it was the Pharisee's daughter, the synagogue ruler's daughter. And uh, there were crowds all around Jesus, right? There, there was just all these crowds around him. And this woman came up behind Jesus. And again, I just find it significant that she actually had to stretch out her hand to touch the hem of his garment. She actually, in the midst of this crowd, she had to take a risk to get there, first of all, to pursue Jesus, and then stretch out her hand to touch just the hem of his garment. And it tells us she was healed instantly. Instantly. The bleeding stopped. And, and we're also told that Jesus um, knew that the power had gone out from him. And he asked this question, who touched my clothes? And, and the, the disciples were almost bemused. They went, Jesus, there's hundreds of people around you. They're everywhere. They're bumping up against you. What do you mean who touched you? Who touched my clothes? Anyway, the, the woman eventually owns up. And listen to what Jesus' words were. Daughter, your faith has healed you. 
Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You've got to try some stuff in our lives. You've got to, we've got to get obedient to God and we've got to risk some stuff. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Not in the scene, not in the, the, the risk, the, the problems, the issues, I could get killed going here. It's seeking Jesus with all our heart, actually going beyond what was comfortable and normal and, and stretching out. See, there's a stretch in our faith that needed to get that healing, that, to get that miracle in our lives. There's a stretch that you have to actually stretch in the bustle of life and it just takes the hem of his garment and we're healed in an instant. We've got to take some risks. We've got to take some risks. Oswald Chambers sort of says it this way. God doesn't give us an overcoming life. He gives us life as we overcome. I love that quote. I love that quote. God doesn't give us an overcoming life. So we want the miracles first and then we'll have faith. No. He gives us life as we overcome. Come on, church. There's going to be a stretching. There's going to be an uncomfortable repositioning of our lives. We've got to take some risk. We've got to try some stuff. You know, free yourself up because that's what it says in that, in that response to this woman. You know, you, you're freed from his suffering. You're free. There's freedom. We've got to free ourselves up on the inside to really do what God wants us to do. It's, it's if we take a risk, if we trust, if we try. And you see the fourth point here this morning, uh, Daniel knew God. Daniel knew God. Um, and you may know a little or a lot about God. You may know some verses from the Bible. You may know some Bible stories. But do you really know God? Do you really know him? Daniel knew he's God. Living and serving God meant more than um, to the teenager, this Daniel, than, than peer pressure or, or the Babylonians' rules or any of that. He did it wisely. You know, he, didn't, he didn't confront it, but he actually did it wisely. And, uh, and knowing God meant more than just comfort and, and God's blessings. He put God first in his life. He just did. He was prepared to take a risk. You know, being a Christian or being a God believer was, was more than just a sticker on the back of his car. You know? Daniel knew God that was, his God was with him. He had this confidence that his God was not left in the temple in Jerusalem, that God was with him when he was taken captive in the midst of the tough circumstances of his life. And, and remember this. If you're not really intentional about following God, the enemy wants to keep our mind conflicted and confused and distracted and, and, and double-minded. You know, and when we meet difficult circumstances, we don't know who or what to trust. We have to be so intentional about the way we live our lives. We need to be so intentional about that, on fire for God, to really know our God. Daniel knew his God. And he sang out praise to, to God in Daniel um, 2, verses 20 to 23. I'm not going to read it, but have a look at it in your Bible. He sang out his praise. And in verses uh, 31 to 45, Daniel interprets, interprets the king's dream. Uh, he tells the king that kingdoms will come and go, but there is a kingdom coming that God will set up that will never end. And in verse 44, he says this, 
In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left for another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it will itself endure forever. And as Christians, we are a part of that kingdom. So this this is an end times, a, a prophetic word for us that we can trust in. We will be part of that kingdom that will endure forever. And, and the tendency for most Christians, truthful, is to use God to solve our problems. God wants us to use your, your problems to find him. God wants to use our problems to find him. Otherwise, we just end up like three wishes and rub the genie bottle and, come on, God, where are you? Am I, you know? just doesn't work that way. And the, the thing here for Daniel, as he interpreted the dream, he gives God all the glory. He, does, he takes no glory for himself. He gives it all to God. He has this confidence in God, no matter what the outcome is, because the, the outcome isn't clear yet. He's giving this interpretation, but he can still get killed. You know, the, the king mightn't like his interpretation. Go, okay, you're dead. And, uh, but here's what Daniel says in verse 45. The great God has shown the king that will, well, what will take place in the future. The dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. He gives all the glory to God. And, and look what happens then, you know. Um, verse 46, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid honor, him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely... Your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. You see, God gets the glory in that. And that's what is so important. It's not how good Daniel is. It's how good our God is. You see, that's the point. It's actually giving God the glory. And when we live intentionally for God, when we try, there's great protection, there's great blessing, there's great favor. But seriously, that only comes as a consequence of, of getting those, those things in the right order, in the right priority, you know. And there's no formula this, by the way. I can't say if you do all those things, that'll happen. But I'm just saying we need to get our perspective right on it. We need to get our, our order right, our priorities right. And, and listen here in verse 48, it says this. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished him many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province. Now remember, he was only a teenager. He'd only been there for a couple of years. He made him rule over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. And then he made Daniel's friends, put him in charge as well. There's great blessing and favor when we, when we get our lives centered around God, when we put God first, when, when we just put it in the right order, when we choose to, to step out in stuff, you know, um, I don't know, just, just to be obedient and, and to take the risk and to really know, have our confidence in God, not in our own skills or talents, but in God. There's great blessing and favor in that. Um, I wasn't sure I'd get to this story, but I, we actually let, give ourselves a bit of space this morning. So I want to finish with this story because I, I just happened on it this week and it's, it's a lady called Debbie McComa. Well, I don't know who she is. I've never heard of her before, but apparently she's number one New York, New York Times bestseller. And she wrote... Well, she writes romantic novels, apparently. That's probably why I'd never heard of her. But um, she's actually written books that have published 170 million copies worldwide. And, uh, and I just want you to hear about how she started. Um, uh, you know, she, 
she actually was dyslexic. She couldn't read very well. She couldn't write very well. Um, she, she only had a high school education. Uh, but she had a dream to be a writer. And even though she didn't know any writers, she didn't know how to do it, she thought, I'd, I'd like to be a writer. But she didn't tell anyone she wanted to be a writer. So she's married with four kids. And I'm thinking, yep, know what that's like. Um, she loved God, Christian. But after the death of a family member, she decided she was really going to follow her dreams. Sometimes it takes a shock like that in life to get some perspective and find out what's really important in our lives. She rented a typewriter. Now, this is a few years ago, of course. She put it on the kitchen table and began typing each morning before the kids went to school. When the kids came home, she moved the typewriter, made them dinner. When they went to bed, she brought the typewriter out again and typed some more pages. For two years, Debbie followed this routine. One night, however, her husband said, uh, sat down with her and said, Sweetheart, I'm sorry. We can't do this anymore. We can't just survive on what I make alone. I, I need you to work. And, and that night, her heart broke. she was heartbroken. Her mind was too busy to let her sleep. And she laid there, looking at the ceiling in a darkened room. Debbie knew with, with all the responsibilities of keeping up a house and raising four kids with sports and church and, and scouts and working 40 hours a week, it would leave her no time to write. And, and her husband woke up and just looking across her and, and looked, seeing the spirit on her face, said, what, what's wrong? He said, I really think I could have made it as a writer. I really do. Her husband was silent for a minute, sat up and turned the light on and said, all right, honey, go for it. He started working a second job, a third job to make ends meet. So Debbie returned to her dream in a typewriter on the kitchen table, pounding out page after page for two years. The family went without vacations, pinched pennies, wore, down, wore hand-me-downs, second-hand clothes, and, uh, but the sacrifice and persistence paid off. After five years of struggling, Debbie sold her first book. And this first book was so interesting, she actually gave it to a publisher to have a look at. He said, that's rubbish. Chuck it in the garbage bin. It's no good. She gave it to another publisher and they bought it. And, <laughs> and then another book got published. And then another, another, until she's, she's published hundreds of books, many of which are on the, the New York Times bestseller list and, and three of which have been made into movies, you know? And, and over 60 million copies of her books are in print. Now, it's more than that. But, but 100 million, I think it was. But she now has got the freedom to be a volunteer in a mentor system for young people. Um, uh, she's able to do fundraising for battered women's shelters. She, she's involved in literacy and, re, and medical research. Uh, she's on boards of national charities and supports many great causes. And, and um, she, her, her whole dream, her whole drive behind this, I didn't read in the front end because I wanted to bring it to you at the end. Um, her dream as a writer was to bring the life to relationships that embrace family, community, and enduring friendships filling her readers with a sense of love and hope. See, that's God-honouring. That's God-honouring. That's getting things around the right way. And even though they're just romantic novels, she had that desire, that hope, that, that preparedness to, to give this a priority in the process. And because she tried, because she tried, and it took a long time, it took five years. It wasn't like it was five seconds. It was five years of slogging with four kids, with lack of income. And, and one day it all started to pay off. It was because she didn't succumb to the circumstances. You know, she just didn't let life overwhelm her. She 
made some choices on the way through and used her talents and the gifts that God had given her, they were seated by God, to be used for good with the right perspective. And the truth for her is the same as the truth for Daniel and the truth for you and me. God wants to use your talents and, and the gifts that are within you to bring honour to him, to have a confidence, to start to step out. You know, I think even this morning as we prayed there, I think I prayed about stepping out of the boat. You know, sometimes we need to get pushed out of that boat and sometimes we, we choose to step out of the boat to see the miracle in our lives. And I don't know what it will take for you, but, but what I do know is we need to reprioritize our life with God first. We need to be like that man with a withered hand and take a risk and, and stretch it out to get that miraculous thing of God. You know, or maybe we're like that woman with the bleeding disease, you know, that was prepared to risk everything just to get to Jesus, just to get close to him, just to touch the hem of his garment, not knowing anything would change, was prepared to do that, to take a risk. I don't know where you are in your walk with God in your life this morning, but, but I want to pray at the end here for God to, to intercede your circumstances, for you to be stretching out to him this morning, positioning yourself for a miracle, positioning your, yourself for what God's got for you, and letting him do what is, 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 comes out of his nature. He is a healer. He, he wants his goodness and his, his blessing to be everywhere amongst his children, amongst his people. He just does. So, so let's stand. Let's stand this morning just to, to finish off the service as the band comes. Close your eyes if you will and uh, I don't know, if you're comfortable with this, I'd love you to lift your hands. If you can't do that, please, there's no drama. It's just, if you're ready for this and you want to put your hands up, I'd love you to do that because it just represents that whole surrender thing. So Father, God, we thank you, Lord, that you are a good God, that you are trustworthy, Lord, that you are faithful, Lord. And this morning, God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, I I pray in that name that is above all names that is mighty, that is great. God, we pray in that name this morning, God, into people's lives, into people's circumstances, into situations, into circumstances, into tragedies, into, into what you need for your life. You know, whether it's, it's a physical healing, a, a, a spiritual healing, an emotional healing, relationship healing, uh, whatever that looks like for you, I just want you to stretch out your hand this morning to Jesus. Just stretch out to him this morning. Go, God, I need you. God, I choose to put you first in my life. I choose to do that. God, I choose to be obedient to your word. I choose to do that. I'll try to do that. God, I just want more of you. I'm prepared to do what it takes, Lord, and prepared to step out. And it is a bit risky, God. But I'm prepared to step out here this morning, Lord, because it's all based on the fact that I know who you are, Lord, in my life. And I pray for that in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray right now, God, you are giving people here insight into what you want them to do, God. It might be a picture, it might be a word, it might be an illustration, it might be a, a biblical example, whatever that is for you, it doesn't matter. Just let God speak to you here this morning. God, we pray for your miraculous word, God. We pray for you, your Holy Spirit.
to do what only you can do in our circumstances. Father, we open ourselves to you this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we do that. And just before I finish, there's just one other thing I want to do. If you're here this morning and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, you've never actually made that decision and go, you know what, I'm going to ask Jesus into my life, you know. I've heard about him and I sort of know a little bit about him. I, 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 I've been around the circles or I've been in the midst sometimes and you know what, I'm not totally convinced, but you know what, this Jesus thing seems like it might have some merit. If that's you this morning, I, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. If that's you this morning, I, I just want you to be really brave, take a risk and just stick up your hand and go, that's me. That's, I need Jesus in my life. I need him. I don't know what it represents really, but I just know I don't want to do life the way I've been doing it. I want a fresh start. And here's an opportunity right now. If that's you, just stick up your hand and I'll see it and we'll, we'll go on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. You are a good God. Your goodness is so evident in our lives your blessing your favour and yet God sometimes you I don't know you just want to get our attention afresh Father this morning give us the I don't know the internal fortitude to really have a go have a go to try to live an intentional life for you Lord whatever that looks like for us we pray for that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Come on, let's give God a great big applause this morning. Come on. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.